Welcome to Pros and Cons, a show about a variety of topics. I'm Jack. And I'm Kev. Let's talk about the 2021 regular season of baseball. And some playoff predictions. So we did an episode at the start of the year going into it, but to remind people, this was the first full season after the shortened COVID year. Baseball is usually 162-ish, 163 Last year was 60, right? Honestly, bro, I erased it. But yes, like 60 (laughs) or 72 or something like that. I don't even remember. That's actually part of what I was going to bring up. I feel like I've forgotten a bunch of stuff from the shortened year already. Yeah, it's crazy. Especially like since the Yankees won last year, you know. I don't remember much. But yeah, finally back to a full season. The way that baseball is intended to play. We needed 162 this year. Especially after last year. Last year, we were just, like, desperate for anything, especially with the whole, you know, lockdown and not doing much and places being closed. But this year, yeah, almost felt, like, back to normal, back to the usual, especially once the crowds got back in the stadiums and going to games and whatnot. I know we both went to a handful of games this year in person, which was definitely nice since last year no one could go at all. Yeah, I for sure tried to take advantage of, like, just going to more games. It's one of those things like we listen to podcasts and shit and you hear a bunch of stories of like, oh, yeah, you know, COVID showed me like I should be (laughs) spending more time with my family, you know, working less. For me, it's like, fuck, I should be going to more games. So I wild out this year. (laughs) Went to three or four stadiums I never been to before. We talked about the giant stadium you went to on the recent San Fran episode. You went to San Diego little down the coast as well and the marlins you hadn't been to that one before i had gone to miami before but the first time i went it was still under construction i think it was like the last year before it was like finished like i could actually see the stadium but they weren't playing in it yet and then when i went again it was like during the off season or something so i obviously couldn't go to a game and yeah this time i went and took advantage of that and of course i went to see my san diego padres it's crazy to say I've seen the Padres play the most out of any team this year, in person, obviously. You know how back in the day with bands, like in the 60s, you would hear stories about how people would follow, I don't know, the Grateful Dead on tour or something mm-hmm. to the different cities they went to? You're low-key kind of like that with the Padres this year. Like you saw them in Miami, you saw them at home in San Diego, you saw them at in Dodger LA. Stadium. Yeah, Dodger Stadium, now in San Francisco. What can I say, man? Uh, <laughs> a Yankee fan first, San Diego Padre fan second. At the moment, it's my NL team. I've always had an NL team growing <laughs> up. It was the Cardinals because of Pujols. DR Legend. DR Legend. Now it's the Padres. It's Tatis. DR Legend. <laughs> But yeah, I've been lucky enough to go on certain trips and it just happens to pan out that the Padres are in town. Like I was still going to go to a game. It just happens that it's the Padres and yeah, I wouldn't want it any other way, you know, other than the Yankees, obviously. Which is not going to happen 99% of the time in those NL cities. Yeah, exactly. Like it's very unlikely. So yeah, it's been great. Um, of course, you also hit the LA Staples well, one's a staple of a Dodgers game. The other's a staple <laughs> with an Angels game just because of Otani. But those are factored in as well. For me, it was just the Yankees and 
one Mets game to see DeGrom, but that was it. And also, as another thing that impacted how we took in the season, we were both in a fantasy baseball league. For me, the first time you, I know, had done at least a couple before, right? Yeah, for baseball, this is like my third time, I think, doing fantasy baseball. Which, yeah, I thought it was interesting. Like, it makes you pay attention to so many players and aspects of them that you wouldn't otherwise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes you almost even become a fan of players that you wouldn't otherwise even pay attention to just because they're on your team or... I don't know, your third baseman got injured, so you picked up the scrub from... The Royals. Yeah, the Royals or whatever, like, and he does good, so you kind of, like, look forward to seeing how he does throughout the year, even if you drop him or not, but now you're aware of him, man. It's cool. I had seen that before with, like, fantasy football, which is the only way I kind of stay in touch with football. Like, this year I didn't do one, and I had no idea that the season even started until, like, (laughs) the first week went by, and I was like, oh, shit, that's crazy. But yeah, so fantasy baseball is the same thing. It's the same way. Um, obviously, a little bit more of a grind. You got 162 games to like. Yeah, and football is like once a week or, you know, you yeah. have the Monday, Thursday night games, but otherwise mostly once a week. But technically, yeah, you set up your lineup once a week where in baseball, you could do a lot of changes. You can technically change your lineup every day. It's fun. And I don't even want to let you say it. I guess I'll say it for you. It's crazy how year one. The boy, Jack, takes the W (laughs) light. I mean, to no surprise. It wasn't even fun for you, I think. It was just... (laughs) You were like the 2002 athletics with the (laughs) analytics. Just picking up the... I wouldn't say scrubs, because, I mean, you won, but just picked up the right people and got the dub. Seemed too easy. I don't don't know. (laughs) I mean, shout out to the Pizza Rats, all the players who made it happen, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, certify Homer Boys, my team. It was a good year. We made it far. I faced you in the semifinals, the division championships, I guess. I didn't expect to win. You had your strategies that I knew had worked for you all year, and it was kind of like, here goes nothing, and yeah, but it was cool. Uh, Looking forward to hopefully doing that again. It was a cool group of guys. We like held through the year even had like a little group chat especially at first you know at first it's always the strongest you know the jokes come in right. and all that but i feel like even a couple times a week you know someone would throw something and like spark up a conversation which is cool i haven't had that because even in football which is so much shorter and like less it kind of dies down after like week two or three and this one kind of stayed through for literally like half a year so yeah and even everyone sending pictures when they were at a game of like oh check out the view from my seats or whatnot yeah i mean you guys know i was one of those (laughs) like i was out here getting around but it was cool to see everyone like it i mean a bunch of yankee slander you know oh yeah too many red sox fans but uh i respect it i need that energy (laughs) um so let's put some money up next time just to make it a little more fun not a lot Um, literally 20 bucks would do yeah yeah hell yeah looking forward to the next one And then in terms of kind of big things that happened within the season this year that are probably the most notable, I feel like the biggest in terms of the game itself is the whole sticky substance thing with pitchers, which I don't think we talked about on the podcast yet at all. But basically for people who don't know, to simplify it, 
It's essentially pitchers have been using certain substances like spider tack, which is this weird grip thing to get a better grip on pitches and it enhances the spin and everything that they do. Definitely one of those moments in time that like, I don't know, will go down in the baseball history books. That's like, you know, this big controversy. Yeah, where basically they told pitchers you have to stop using it in like the middle of the season. And it's one of those things that wouldn't say there's like big proof of this, but it's something that pitchers have been using for fucking long decades, probably even a century. Not spider tag and stuff. Those are like newer, but you know, pine tar and Mm -hmm. I don't know, other stuff. We've heard about even pitchers doing like a mixture of things. So pitchers have always tried to have like a stronger grip to create better pitches, obviously. Like that's their job to try to strike you out. In this season, you kind of stop that just cold turkey like that. I mean, we saw major impacts with some (laughs) pitchers. Major. And some also, like, figured their way back as the season went on. But it was definitely a huge thing at first. And they started implementing these checks between innings where they would look at the hat, glove, etc. And the first few days it was happening, pitchers were so mad and they were like, dropping their pants halfway and everything so it was a it was a mess it's tricky i don't know where this goes like is this something that is part of baseball now like the whole checking of the pitcher after every inning or after i don't know how many innings yeah there's like one of those moments that literally change how you play the game and even though it's little and a lot of it happens behind the curtains quote unquote and it's I guess funny because it's also the year with the most no hitters. Right. The season didn't start with the sticky substance rule. When did it even get implemented? Like July? No, it's like June 20th, like around then 21st, 23rd, one of those. Yeah. So this shit was like a plague. I mean, there was a point where like a three or four week span, there was like a no hitter every week. And obviously that's a way faster rate than we're used to seeing no hitters at um yeah for people who don't know baseball too much usually get what like one or two no hitters a season or something yeah maybe one or two a lot of games get close but usually don't yeah you end yeah, up yeah exactly three would be like wow the season was crazy yeah exactly and we're at like what like nine including some combined no hitters where relievers took over but still didn't allow a hit either yeah which is insane i wouldn't say it was just a sticky substance it's a mix of both the ball's not being juiced sticky substances and just the game being completely different i do think it was messed up that they did this in the middle of the season instead of giving pitchers an off season to kind of work around it and figure it out because it was like an unspoken thing like the league knows pitchers are using this but they're not going to do anything and then they change their minds so if you give a pitcher the off season the winter to get their arm used to not using it then that's more fair it's like everyone can kind of understand that but when you do it in the middle of the season aside from guys you know just kind of losing some of their stuff in certain cases the massive con of it is when you have people like Tyler Glasnow, who basically got injured right after because his arm wasn't used to it and ended up having to get Tommy John surgery and out for the year and next year. So 
that's a huge impact on his career and he's one of the most fun pitchers to watch so that aspect i think they should have done differently completely agree with that and i feel like most people would and then to kind of transition into the team stuff but also something just around the league the trade deadline this year at the end of july was just insane i feel like it was the most jam-packed full of big moves deadlines that i can remember where like max scherzer and trey turner went to the dodgers after even though it's initially reported he was going to the padres with scherzer and the cubs basically got rid of all of their championship team including sending rizzo to the yankees yankees also got joey gallo but there were just tons of things that happened more than you can even keep track of but do you remember one ever being as crazy as that not at all every trade deadline i wouldn't even say every but like the big trade deadlines that i remember were always just like one maybe two big names right that get traded and obviously that makes it special because it's like oh this can affect the playoffs and blah 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 this year like teams got obliterated like you just mentioned the cubs like the core gone like switched up and on top of that it was like one of the best pitchers right now like scherzer to this insane team and on top of that leaving a team that just won a championship not long ago in the nationals and on top of that it was like a whole controversy shit because he was going to the padres and then happened to go to the dodgers and again maybe you're not following baseball but the dodgers and the padres had like this crazy little rivalry at first at least throughout like the first half of the season so this was just like big and like super emotional in every way possible that at least in my lifetime i don't remember like having a trade deadline like this and i feel like from what i've seen and heard analysts could probably agree yeah for sure and also part of the reason why the dodgers wanted to go out and get scherzer too was because of this whole incident with Trevor Bauer that has come up that's still ongoing of his abuse issues with women, which is obviously a major con. He was previously doing cool stuff with his vlog and other stuff, trying to be something different for baseball, but with everything that's come out, I mean, doesn't look like he'll play baseball ever again, so Dodgers needed to find someone else to fill that spot and scherzer's been like the best trade deadline pickup of all time according to stats so i mean it worked out and trey turner is no consolation prize either yeah i mean we know scherzer's like a cy young winner lights out but since he got to the dodgers he's literally like unhittable and it's not like he's at his youngest like the dude's getting up there in age but he still got it the whole bauer situation is insane as well uh i believe we've mentioned him here but maybe even in our other podcast with otani comes to america we were like huge fans and like the dude was killing it like yo this is what baseball needs blah 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 and obviously comes and gets into this whole situation and even before that when he got the contract with the dodgers it was like yo this is a fucking huge signing and So far, it's panning out for the Dodgers, which we'll get into, but... The NL West, which is the division the Dodgers are in, has been insane this year because the Giants, 
who no one thought they would be as good as they are, have been arguably the best team in baseball, and the race for the division title with them came down to the last week, and the Giants took first, and the other team has to play in a one-game wild card. So it's kind of a result of how the playoff system is set up, where the division winners all get into the playoffs, and two other teams who have the best record in the league get in as wild cards and play each other in a one-off playing game. But it's just kind of a tough break, where if they were both in separate divisions... They would easily have both been in because they're the only two 100-plus win teams in the National League. But otherwise, in the NL West, also the Padres, they could have had one of those wildcard spots, and they just blew it. And they've pretty much been your quote-unquote NL team. So how has that felt? (laughs) Yeah, uh, very underwhelming season by the Padres. I mean, they started off good. Tatis having a special year nonetheless regardless of where they end up in the standings or where he plays in the field that too uh, (laughs) (laughs) a little challenge the Padres have there for next season but still uh, MVP quality season he'll get some votes I don't know if first place but he'll get some which is good enough for the 22 year old phenom it's just underwhelming because they were expected to be up there almost like flip-flop them with the Giants you could say yeah you have this team in the Giants where like people I I personally don't even know half of the team it's a bunch of no names or just well it's like a mix of veterans who are playing way above their age and then yeah like a bunch of people who always fill in and kill it like Lamont Wade Jr. who is insane in the ninth inning just people like that and like you said just the resurgence and like the come up of Brandon Crawford again, and Bell, Posey, Longoria. It's like, bro, these these names were popping 12 years ago. <laughs> yeah, I definitely would have thought Longoria was retired by this point. Yeah, exactly. Like, the only person missing right here is Hunter Pence. Like, <laughs> they should have gave him a one-year contract. He probably would have been killing. But, yeah, it was, it's, like, incredibly sad, especially because I want to see him so much. I like With the Padres. Yeah, the Padres, like, I... They'll still be my NL team moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm at the same level of Padres fandom as you, but I do think at least they were a really fun team. They kind of lost that as the year went on. I think that's partially, you know, having a mostly young group who is struggling with this level of tanking. I think they should hopefully come back stronger than this they had some injury stuff too and their pitching wasn't exactly what they thought it'd be but I mean they weren't the only ones who fumbled the wild card spot in the NL the Reds had a good chance also they just couldn't quite pull it together even with Joey Votto as another vet having a monster season but it came down to the Cardinals having an insane winning streak to end the year out of nowhere i know we kind of just slandered the padres but part of the reason why they couldn't make it was because of st louis and not just from afar like oh yeah they're winning so they can't catch up like no right at the beginning of their winning streak they played the padres and literally swept them which literally put the dagger 
in the Padres' hearts. Like, that's it. After that, St. Louis grabbed the lead of that wild card spot and never looked back. And yeah, it's like a record setting streak with a 17 game winning streak, which is insane. I mean, we were all happy as fuck when the Yankees got to 13. And <laughs> St. Louis literally said, like, oh, hold this and watch how you do it. But yeah, super impressive. And also yet another team with like a few vets who have really pulled through for them between like Yadi at catcher, Wayno on the mound, aka Adam Wainwright, the old man god, and Paul Goldschmidt as well. Even on a lower level, they traded for Jay Happ and John Lester at the deadline who weren't all that great but they did pretty decent for the cardinals since going over there so they just figured it out and they have some young guys too tyler o'neill has been insane they have the guy with i think the best name in baseball lars newtbar so they just make it happen and also arenado's first year there quiet 35 plus home runs but the cardinals are scary going into the playoffs Pretty sure if you're a baseball fan, you've probably seen, but if you haven't, Cardinals also made history in that they had the lowest percentage at a point to make the playoffs. Yeah, it was like 2.5 or something. Yeah, to then going to actually make the playoffs. It's insane, like, how drastic. And this all happened within the matter of, like, two weeks. It's not, like, throughout the year. So we know the Cardinals are scary. However, even with all that winning... They still ended up taking second place in the NL Central because there was a team that was consistently killing it throughout the year, and that's the Brewers, who weirdly somehow, like, in the last five years have, like, always made the playoffs. Mm -hmm. They don't go that far, but consistent team. Like, if you're a fan, you can't be too mad at your team at this point. Yeah, although this year their pitching is just on a whole new level from Corbin Burns, who is on your fantasy team, to... Freddie Peralta to Woodruff, which are sometimes referred to as like the law firm. And they've even had other guys like Lauer and Hauser and other people stepping up too. I'd argue their pitching is even more their strong side. And they have a great closer and hater as well. Devlin Williams was a good piece until he punched a wall when clinching and is out, which is so dumb. But they still have other guys too, like Ashby and Boxberger. But also, you have like the whole Milwaukee winning in other sports like basketball and stuff. So there's maybe more pressure on them, too. But we'll see. I wouldn't say that they're like a World Series or buzz, but they have to at least make it past the first round. And in the third and final NL division, I didn't listen back to our preview episode, but I do remember saying in that even though the Mets have a good team, the Mets always find a way to Mets. And that's what happened this year. They were in first place for like the most games all time for someone who doesn't end up making the playoffs or some stat like that. They were good at the beginning of the year in terms of holding that, but it kind of always felt unsustainable. And with DeGrom's injury and other stuff too, they just couldn't do it even though on paper they're much better than they were but 
the Braves, even without Ronald Acuna Jr., who got injured in the middle of the year, a lot of injuries this year in general in baseball, but they still managed to pull out the NL East. And the Braves were another team who made some nice moves at the deadline. Like they got Adam Duvall and Eddie Rosario and Jock Peterson and one of their relievers too. So they quietly improved too. And props to them for not giving up even without Acuna. Yeah, let's just say that the Braves got lucky there like in a shitty division. Mm-hmm. It's one of those where, like, no matter how you start the year, just keep going because anyone could take the top. There's no clear top seed, as you can see with the Phillies, who had the late push but just didn't have enough. The Mets gonna Mets, which equals lose. It's just speaking to the Braves and how they get it done, no matter what. But let's switch over from the NL to the better league, the AL, and start off with our team, the Yankees. It's weird to say, they were so close at a point to being just as disappointing as the Padres. You have the talent, you have the fan base, you have everything, but yet you almost wanted to fuck it up. And if you don't listen to Talking Yanks, if you're a baseball fan and a Yankee fan, go listen to them. They call them like the streakiest team of all time, because when we start winning, we start winning, and when we lose, we lose bad, like in a row. It's just we do streaks. We win in streaks. We lose in streaks. And somehow the Yankees found a way. But I was following it pretty closely day to day throughout the whole year. And I feel like this was one of the most roller coaster seasons as a Yankee fan that I can remember. The amount of highs and lows were crazy. And so many heartbreaking losses as well, including the Field of Dreams game which was like the most popular baseball game for a regular season in decades and was a super fun game until they came back but then lost at the end. But still was an interesting setup in relation to the movie. But they did end up making it into the wildcard game. They weren't just heartbreaking losses because obviously you lose, I don't know, on a walk-off and blah, blah, blah. But it was always like, that was for the lead on the standings or like to catch up because the other team lost or this and that or when everything looked good we fucked it up i'm very happy that i didn't witness most of these like for the feel the dreams one you were like texting me but i was like in the oc fair or some shit and i barely had signal so i was getting like delayed everything so i'm like glad jesus christ shielded <laughs> me from that harsh loss because I would have been in shambles, um, especially after I watched the highlights. But there was other ones. Like, I remember, I think I watched, like, two of them. Even though the Yankees had, like, 15 terrible losses, I would say. One was, like, the Jared Walsh one. Yeah, I was actually at that one earlier. And then there was a rain delay and stuff. But that was crazy. Very rough. Uh, it's almost like God didn't shield you. Because <laughs> I think you witnessed all of them. I don't even know if I'm bugging out. But, like, the <laughs> this might have been early in the year. The Robbie Grossman from the Tigers. Mm, yeah, I remember like a that. Walk off. Yeah, and John Boy was like, "Oh, Yankees are dead because the Tigers swept them." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like a sweep, so that hurt. And the Tigers who aren't even gonna win. I don't even know, fucking sixty games or some shit. Also, the Altuve walk off was devastating too. 
That was rough. Uh, that one I don't think I saw either, but tough to watch. The other one I saw, I think, was the Orioles one, which wasn't that long ago. And it felt like we shouldn't even be making the playoffs or anything. So outside of that, great that the Yankees were part of the Field of Dreams game. Would have been nice to win it, but a nice moment nonetheless. And I was a big fan because I'm a MLB the show player. And that became like a whole section of the game. And they added the stadium and all that. So that was fun to watch and also play along with. And to this day, even when I play online, you get to pick the stadium. Like, I still pick that one because I really like how it looks and how simple it is and whatnot. It's almost like cinematic, you know. We remember the movie, so. Yeah, the Yankees somehow had, like, the most bittersweet regular season. I don't know. It's like a lot of good and a lot of bad. The big guys like Judge and Stanton really put the team on the back. Pitching was pretty good all year, so you had some good moments, too. But yeah, the Yankees play in arguably the toughest division in baseball, where you got the Rays who won the division. I mean, Rays going to raise in the opposite way that Mets going to Mets. And otherwise, it came down to a crazy wildcard race with the last week between the Blue Jays, the Red Sox, both who are also AL East teams, and even the Mariners. Kind of the A's, although they weren't really in it the last week, but just a whole slew of teams trying to compete for two spots. Yeah, I would say it is the hardest division. Because of that, you have four teams kind of like battling it out, except for the Orioles, which are pretty much a punching bag. Compared to like the NL West, where you have three teams, three really good teams, but I mean, if you were to add a fourth, that'd become insane, so... Yeah, like imagine the Brewers were in the NL West. Yeah, not fun at all. <laughs> so yeah, uh, we almost get mad at the Yankees for being the way they are. But like if you step back and just look at the division and see who they're playing and how much there is on the line between all the teams and stuff, like we're actually not too bad. Yeah, I mean, the Rays lost Charlie Morton. Glass now went down midseason, like I mentioned, and they just always find people to come up and fill in so it's pretty crazy and like Wander Franco had a big rookie year since he came up as well and stuff but even with the Red Sox no one expected them to be as good as they were the Blue Jays kind of evolved from the Baby Jays into a real team a real threat Vlad had like a MVP year if it wasn't for Otani which speaking of two I mean Otani finally fulfilled his prophecy of being a Cy Young level pitcher, even a just healthy, solid all year pitcher, and being a good hitter, in this case, a really good hitter with 45 plus home runs. We also are going to do another episode on the end of the season on our Otani Comes to America podcast, little plug, but of course the Angels do nothing as usual, their little 500 selves. And Astros just kind of walk away with that division. Mariners and A's kind of close behind, but never really a real race. And the AL Central was a little better than we expected for some teams. Like even the Tigers, better than you would think. But White Sox easily handled that. I don't even want to acknowledge the White Sox right now. 
AL Central is a joke. It's been a joke since the Royals won. Oh no, I, I guess that Cleveland had that one good season. But yeah, it's a division where like 85 wins will get you to the playoffs. If you were to put the White Sox in any other division, I don't even know that they'd make the playoffs. Sometimes you get lucky like that. Let's go on to the playoff predictions to close it out. And we're putting this up a day early on Tuesday morning because the first wildcard game is Tuesday night. So for the AO wildcard of the Yankees versus the Red Sox, I'd probably go the Yankees. I mean, obviously we're super biased. And like we said, they can be streaky, but I'll take them in this game. I mean, come on now. Yankees, simple. On the NL side, wildcard game, LA Dodgers versus the St. Louis Cardinals. I want to root for the Cardinals, but what my eyes want to see, what my brain wants to acknowledge, it's a beautiful Dodgers versus Giants NLDS. So I'm going to go with the Dodgers. All right, I'm going to choose Chaos and have the cards using their quote-unquote devil magic to beat the Dodgers in a shocker with Wayno having an insane game and Tyler O'Neill hitting at least one bomb, even though the Dodgers are stacked, but we'll see. And then into the real playoffs, we got the AL, we'll do the DS, and then the CS. So this is where it gets tricky because obviously... We could be wrong and completely mess up our, technically like our bracket right here, but. First up, we got the winner of those wildcard games who will see who's going to win that. Either the Yankees or Red Sox versus the Rays. And the Yankees, I'm just going to be super biased here and hope their streakiness continues put them over the Rays, even though might not be the logical choice, but gonna go with that. Yeah, I mean, let me put it this way. The Yankees ain't losing to the Rays until 2022 again. <laughs> not a single game. We talking about a sweep. So that's that. And then for the other ALDS matchup first round, we got the White Sox versus the Astros. I think like we were talking about before, the AL Centro is so weak that the White Sox haven't really been challenged this year and they haven't faced that adversity that they need for the playoffs. They're not hungry like these other teams. The Astros still have a chip on their shoulder from the whole cheating scandal. And I think they're probably a better team anyway, front to back. I think it will be close, but I'd have the Astros going ahead. I already dissed the White Sox once. And I'll go ahead and do it again. <laughs> Houston, believe it or not, whether we hate them or not, still a really good team. I don't see them losing to the White Sox, so I got Houston on this one. And then from the winner of those, I would say that for the Yankees versus the Astros, I'm going to say fuck the Astros and have the Yankees taking it. We have Houston facing, at this very point, the Yankees, a recreation of this beautiful moment from a couple years ago. And believe me when I say that, if the Yankees lose to this team, I will burn. <laughs> no, I'm not one of those. Um, 
I wish I could burn something. I'm not going to do that, but <laughs> I'd be really disappointed in the Yankees, truly. And I don't see the Yankees losing to them. The Yankees have a lot on the line. I mean, talking about Judge having to carry, I think he's going to take that even with more pride to beat the team that has taken away possible rings from them in the last couple of years. So on the NLDS, we have the Braves facing the Brewers. I don't see the Brewers losing this. They have too much pitching. They have decent enough bats. The Brewers have also been there and done that before. So I feel like that drives them to the next one. The Brewers do have some playoff experience, but I feel like the Braves have more. They've gone deeper. They almost made it to the World Series last year. And I do really wish they had Acuna, but their pitching has also been great recently. So I think this will be really close. I'm actually going to give it to the Braves just because of experience. I feel like the Brewers are maybe one more year away from making a more serious run on the other hand we have i think what we all want right here on this next one is a nice five game nail biting series giants v dodgers not as good a rivalry as the yankees red sox but almost there and on this one i might get shot but i think i'm rooting for the giants on this one bro. i'm a little tired of these dodger fans i'm around got a little too cocky because they won 60 games last year and then got the chip on an empty stadium. Is it gonna be easy? No. I mean, talking about facing Scherzer, Kershaw, I guess their lineup is the scariest part. But the Giants, they've done it. They've done it the whole year, and I don't see why they can't continue that. It's a franchise that's used to winning, won four titles, I think, last decade. I think I got the Giants. For the Cardinals versus the Giants, like I said, the Giants just seem to always find a way to win. I don't see them exiting the playoffs this early. NLCS, Giants versus Brewers. Man, it's just tough to go against the Brewers pitching. Super tough. I just think that if the Giants keep playing how they played the entire year, it's also hard to beat them no matter who they're facing. So I think on like a six-game series type thing, the Giants take it and go to the World Series. For me, for the Giants versus the Braves... I have the Braves run ending here without Acuna. This has been the battle of the NL West all year. One of these teams was probably going to make it. So, And then in the World Series, we got the Yankees versus the Giants. And I think this is just an NL year. And like I said with the NLCS, one of these NL West teams was probably bound to win. So... I think the Giants will win it all. The matchup we've been waiting for. People have been talking about it for centuries. The Giants versus the Yankees. (laughs) Back to the New York days. I hate to say this out loud through my (laughs) mouth. Uh, I should have had Siri to spell this out. I think I have the Giants taking this one. I think I agree with you in that it is an NL type of year. The Giants just have had the perfect formula and that can end you know people go through slumps and the nerves of the playoffs and obviously these are a mix of veterans and young players Uh, who knows what could happen but it's just coming easy for the giants and it'd be hard to bet against them but yeah so tonight 
This is for October 5th. Playoffs are starting with the AO wildcard game happening first. So we'll see what happens. And then after it's done, we'll do a little playoff and World Series recap early November. But tune in if you're interested in some baseball games. That wraps it up for this episode of Pros and Cons. I'm Jack. You could find me at Jack Bloom Summer, Summer with an O on everything. And I'm Kev. You can find me at same old Kev pretty much everywhere. Let's go Yankees.